Hey, what's happening, everybody? It is Brent Dax, and we're live here on the Syracuse Orange Basketball Facebook page. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health, and we're coming off the heels of a count them up, baby. One, two, three, four, five. Five in a row for Syracuse as they beat Pittsburgh today at the Carrier Dome. Final score of 69 to 61. Great to have you back here if you're watching live. Just want to remind you, though, that we do put this in two different places for you as well if you want to catch it on your time. If you can't be here live after games, uh, it's up on YouTube afterwards. So subscribe to Syracuse Orange Sports on YouTube. And we also are now making this uh, in podcast form for you. So if you subscribe to Syracuse.com Podcasts on iTunes or Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, not only do you get our post-game reports, you get my podcast, the Syracuse Sports Podcast, our Buffalo Bills Podcast, our Syracuse Football Podcast, lots of good stuff on there, and we're adding this to the list. This was a grinder for Syracuse, an expected grinder for Syracuse, and it was good that Syracuse built up a big lead. You know, playing good in the second half, playing down the stretch, is important. But Syracuse built a huge lead at one point, was a 20-point lead, and had to hang on, had to grind. They were not good at the free throw line today, but you had Marek Doljai, who is becoming the MVP of this team, folks. Elijah Hughes is the best player on the team. Buddy Beheim's been great shooting the three, of course, but Marek Doljai is the heart and soul and the MVP of this team. A terrific game for him overall. And, you know, as we'll go over the numbers here shortly, Pitt outscored Syracuse in the second half. They out-rebounded Syracuse in the second half. So it was that kind of built-up equity that the Orange put in the first half at one point leading by 20 that really paid off because Pitt came at them with everything they had, couldn't quite get over the hump. Syracuse scored enough. Elijah Hughes really struggled today by his standards. The leading scorer in the ACC really had to grind it out in the second half to get 10 points. Wasn't even on the board at halftime, believe it or not. Buddy Beheim led the way again for the Orange. Quincy Garrier, Jim Beheim, uh, wasn't thrilled with some of his play, kind of getting on his freshman a little bit at that press conference. So Jim in a hurry at his post-game press conference, if you saw that, had to get to, uh, I believe he's going to his son Jimmy's game at Cornell. So uh, he was, you could tell he had somewhere else to be, giving a lot of short answers at that press conference, but certainly went over um, how Marek Doljai was successful, how Syracuse was able to hold off Pittsburgh in this game. So you guys get in the comments. Tell me where you're watching from. Always like that. I see Katie tuning in from Minneapolis. All right, fantastic. Always love to hear where you guys are watching from. Hi, Jamie. Hi, John. Hi, Brian, and everybody that's checking in. Let's go over some numbers here. Um, Syracuse shot 24 of 55. That's 43%. Uh, Pitt ended up at 38% on the day, which is interesting because they were awful in the first half. Pitt shot 6 of 26 in the first half of this game. That's 23%. Both teams in this game shot 5 of 21 from three-point range. So Syracuse getting better in the paint overall really paid off today because Buddy had those three-pointers. Joe Girard wasn't hitting from the three. Elijah Hughes certainly struggled from the three today. So Syracuse's ability to score in the paint has not only been big because they need the balance scoring overall, it was big in this game because neither team was hitting from three-point range. And Syracuse ends up out-rebounding Pittsburgh by a mark of 39 to 33. Pitt forced uh, more turnovers than Syracuse is comfortable with, just 13 on the day. But Syracuse is a team that's really been low in the turnover department this year. So I'll credit Pitt for how they came back and fought in this game. They were just in such a deep hole that they couldn't get out of it. Individually for the Orange, we mentioned that Buddy Beheim led the way. Uh, 
he played all 40 minutes. He scored 21 points. He was four of eight from three-point range. And Pittsburgh was just bound and determined not to let him score in the second half. So he kind of tailed off a little bit. Marek Doljan. What more can you say about this dude? 17 points on the day, seven rebounds, three assists, clutch down the stretch, free throws matter. He goes seven of seven. Now the rest of the team, even Joe Girard missed a free throw today, which tells you how weird things were in one sense. But every other player that got to the free throw line missed at least one, most missed two. But Marek was clutched down the stretch and throughout the game at the free throw line going 7 of 7. He is just the heart and soul and the MVP of this team. Scoring, passing, rebounding, hustle on defense. He used to be kind of that grinder, right? That X-factor guy. He's just flat out the MVP of this team right now. Uh, look at elsewhere. We've mentioned Elijah Hughes. Not typical to see this. Lowest output of the year, 10 points for him. He goes 0 for 4 from three-point range, 4-13 overall. Joe Girard didn't have his best offensive game today. He ends up with seven points on the day, four assists, four rebounds, a couple of steals, shoots a three of eight, one of seven from three-point range. Barama Sidibe was having a great game, and then he got into foul trouble. TV Teddy was in the house today, right? Four points, eight rebounds for the Orange. Leads the Orange in rebounding along with Quincy Garrier, who yeah, Bayheim was kind of dumping on him in the press conference, but I thought he did great. Ten points, eight rebounds on the day. There's still some things he has to learn about the game, and that's where a coach's frustration comes through. But he was big, especially with Barama out in foul trouble. You know, Quincy can get into foul trouble himself. He ends up with four on the day, but a much-needed inside presence for the Orange. Bryson Goodine snuck six minutes in there but did not score in this game. So that's how things played out for the Orange individually. Now, I want to point this out because it just shows you how tough it's going to be against certain teams and how you're just going to have to grind things out in this league. In the second half, Pittsburgh outscored Syracuse 40-37. to They were shot better than the Orange. Both teams shot right around 53% in the second half. A lot of inside play, a lot of attacking the glass. Syracuse goes 2 of 7 from 3-point range. Pitt goes 3 of 10. Pitt out-rebounded Syracuse 17-12 to 12 in the second half, including six offensive rebounds to Syracuse's three. So just take note of that. Sometimes you got to hold things off. That's why there's 40 minutes in a basketball game. Even if you build the big lead, sometimes you got to hold a team off in the second half or, or go the other way. Syracuse is a team, they just did it Wednesday night against Notre Dame, that has overcome deficits and lost big leads. They had an 11-point hole that they crawled out of against the Irish, had a 13-point lead that they lost against the Irish. Pitt is a team that's crawled out of two 14-point deficits in recent games. They didn't crawl out of this one to get the lead. Syracuse never lost the lead throughout this, but... You know, Pitt's a team that really woke up in the second half and, and really grinded it out. So the timing could not be any better for Syracuse there, that they're getting point play. They're getting Joe Girard driving in. Buddy Beheim in particular is much more confident. Marek Doljai is just putting up shots. You can see the flow and the confidence in his game. This is a guy who used to get the ball inside and hesitate. Now he gets the ball, he knows exactly what he's doing with it. And it's not just shooting. He'll get the ball, sense a double team coming, sense the defense, and know where to pass the ball. So Marek Doljai's improvement has just been remarkable to watch, and it comes at uh, certainly the right time for the Orange. And it's interesting because what they're doing right now is they're taking care of business. These games don't really help your resume. They hurt you more in terms of the NCAA tournament, how Syracuse just continues to creep closer and closer to the bubble at this point, having to make up for you know a real tough stretch in non-conference play. They didn't pick up a non-conference win of note 
But these games, they don't really give you huge gains in terms of your tournament resume, but they can hurt you if you lose. Syracuse got a win at home today, which is not really something that's come easily this year for Syracuse, particularly in ACC play. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, all teams that had beaten Syracuse in conference play in all games that Syracuse got back at home. So they face Pittsburgh for the first time this season today and get a win at home. So Syracuse is starting to check a lot of boxes there. I think their defense is getting better, which is, is key. It's not quite that overwhelming 2-3 zone that, you know, when Syracuse is really successful and makes deep tournament runs, that's usually what complements Syracuse. But this is a team, they only scored 69 points today because Pitt's just kind of that team. They like to grind. They love to hold on to the ball, make it. Uh, they're a top 10 team in the country in terms of, you know, uh, longest possessions. You're just not going to get in a flow against Pitt. But Syracuse was able to adjust to that. But they're an offensive-minded team. And they're getting offense from other places, and particularly they're getting more offense in the paint, which is big. Ken, I see your comment here, and I agree with you. I think that Quincy Gary, you can tell he's like right there, close to a breakout game. What he's doing now is he's a great complimentary player. He's great around the hoop. He had two times today where he was just in perfect position, got the rebound, fought off you know, a double team from Pitt, a physical team, put it back up. Barama Sidibe has been much better around the basket, particularly in the last four games. His footwork's been great. His confidence has been great. His ball handling has been worlds better than what we're used to. And he, he likes to use the glass, but isn't always having to do that now. So he's getting better. Quincy's getting better. Marek speaks for itself how he's playing. Buddy's getting inside. Elijah didn't have his best game today, but in recent games has been made it a point, really, to get in the paint more. So I, I like what I see. Uh, Claude asking the seriousness of uh, Washington's ankle injury, second straight game he sat out. Uh, I'm not really sure about that, Claude. It's been enough that he's practicing but not getting into games. So he's not completely out of the picture right now, but uh, we'll see. That's one of those tricky injuries that they're certainly being careful with. And there were times they could have used him. There were times in this game where Elijah Hughes had to be the ball handler because Gerard was struggling out there. Uh, Brian says, Buddy has really added to his game in the paint. I hear the crickets from the cries of nepotism. The kid works hard, has skills, and is clearly an asset. Yeah, Jim Beheim mentioned at his press conference today that Buddy works out four hours a day even on his off day, does a little yoga and then works out four hours a day. I'm just thinking about how many Oreos I ate during this basketball game. This kid's out there working four hours a day. <laughs> Tony's, uh, let's say Torrance, I should say, I think this year's team is better and well-rounded than last year's team. You know, what's interesting is Jim Beheim disagrees with you. He doesn't think they're any better than last year. They're just kind of winning in a different way. That's something he said at his press conference. Not only was Jim in a hurry, but what happens when Syracuse wins games and they go on winning streaks? I've noticed this in Jim's press conferences. I've noticed this in my radio interviews with Jim. His answers are a lot shorter and a lot to the point. It's almost like he doesn't want to mess with karma, right? He just kind of does the basic answers and gets out of there. Uh, today he was in a hurry because he was going to one of his kids' games. But uh, one thing he did note, though, and did expand on a little bit at his press conference was he doesn't think they're any better. So the coach disagrees with you there. I think they're just a different team than, than what we saw last year. Hey, my man Devo, 
Not that Devo. Jeff DeVeronica, my man, says they got away with one today, Axe, and taking the air out of the ball when Cuse was the better offensive team nearly cost them. Bayheim went to that too soon. An all-too-familiar complaint with Jim Bayheim that he goes to that slow-down game instead of keeping the flow going. I think Pittsburgh had something to do with that. I think that they were attacking the basket, playing better defense, taking Buddy out of it. I don't really think it was that typical Jim Bayheim slowed down the game too early thing. I think Pitt gets some credit uh, for that one. Uh, there's my man Ben Burroughs checking in saying, I tweeted this earlier, but Quincy does all this with zero effort to run plays for him. He does it strictly with offensive rebounding and defensive lapses, super low maintenance player. Terrific point as always from Ben. Now, Ben, share your, um, buddy Bayheim opinion with us. Go find those tweets. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. Jamie says, as long as the, the double stuff variety, I say, eat those Oreos. Of course. What other kind is there? They got all those wacky kinds of Oreos now, all those flavors. Come on. I don't want to eat apple pie Oreos or all these wacky things. Just give me the double stuff, man. Let's go. Uh, Brian says Syracuse needs to add a center in 2020 or 2021 or Jesse develops and a good core for success. Yeah, there's a name we haven't heard for a while, Jesse Edwards, who from everything I hear is practicing well and developing, just you know, hasn't found a role yet. There's always one or two players that kind of get cut off there, and that's where he finds himself. But I think there's – a lot of upside and potential there for sure. Fred says better offensively than last year's group because they share the ball, but still learning on defense. Not only sharing on defense or sharing the ball, not only uh, still learning on defense, I should say, Fred. When you have Joe Girard at the top of the zone with Buddy Beheim, you're going to lose out there. I mean, Girard barely covers six feet. Buddy is 6'6 and can cover some ground, and I'll tell you, Buddy has improved dramatically on defense. He had some real defensive lapses earlier this season. But you're going to lose something there with Joe. Now he hustles and does what he can to make up that ground. But think of the best two, three zones we've seen in recent years, those deep tournament runs, those final four teams, when you've got like Michael Benajay and Trevor Cooney at the top of the zone, big guys, wide-ranging guards that cover a lot of space. So – I think Syracuse is getting better defensively. They are starting to cover some more ground. I think Barama and Quincy are improving, and you know what we've seen from Marek has been great. But they're always going to be a little, and I don't mean no pun intended here. They're always just going to be a step short because Joe doesn't cover as much ground, and, and teams that have that athleticism and those big players up top are going to take advantage of that. And look, Syracuse took advantage of that today. It's been interesting to see how much bigger Syracuse has been. They, they're typically longs. Jim Beheim, of course, recruits longer players in the zone. So Syracuse is always going to be up there in terms of one of the tallest teams in the country, right? But, you know, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, who had Mooney inside, but Syracuse had some size advantages this game. Pitt plays a grinding physical style, but Syracuse was bigger than this team and had some big advantages. And Buddy Beheim provides that at 6'6". You know, there's not a lot of players in his position at 6'6". So he's recognized that. His inside game has gotten dramatically better in ACC play, and the Orange is uh, really leaning on that for sure. Uh, Brandon says uh, Syracuse won a national championship with GMAC at the top of the zone. Yeah, but think how long that team was otherwise. You had Quest Dwayne, you had Hakeem Warwick, you had Jeremy McNeil, you had Craig Forth. I mean, that team was huge in other spots. Uh, fair point to make, though. Uh, let's see, ask, let's see, Michael says, any word about 610 transfer Patrick Tape, the Columbia transfer? Haven't heard anything. I know he's visiting and, and they're looking at him and that would be a welcome addition given his size and I've heard good things. 
But uh, nothing to add to that, Michael. I know we'll be tracking that for you, though, and we will uh, certainly. Hey, look at this, Bazil from Baghdad. My man, stay safe over there in Baghdad. Thanks for checking in. I've always told you guys, you never know where people are watching uh, this postgame show from. Fantastic. Uh, Fred notes that he likes the concerted effort to get points in the paint. It opens up the outside game. That is a very good point because what was happening was teams were really pushing up, getting on Buddy, and Buddy uh, Pitt just shut him down in the second half today. They said, you're not getting these points. And it was a smart move by Jeff Capel, who, by the way, had a terrific suit on today. Jeff was looking smooth. But with Elijah struggling, Pitt said, we're taking Buddy out of this thing, and we are going to make Gerard beat us, which he couldn't, and we're going to make Marek beat us, which he did. Barama got into foul trouble. Quincy got some strong rebounds and putbacks. But what's happening slowly but surely is teams can't leave Barama down low. Certainly you can't leave Quincy down low when he's in there, and Marek's going to kill you no matter where he is in the paint, where it was even six, seven games ago, teams were just leave that, and they'd say, you. We're going to give you that. We're going to give you those points down there. We're going to focus up on the three-point line. But a couple things happened there. Buddy and Elijah got a lot better in the paint, willing to take it in the paint. But you just noted it, Fred, the inside-out game, the dribble-drive-in kick-out. But that goes the other way sometimes, too, whereas for a good part of this season, Syracuse was a pretty one-dimensional basketball team. Uh, hey, my man Randy Beach. What's happening, Randy? Home of the best darn Angus burger in town. Alan Angus, get there if you come to the queues to get that great burger. What's the turnaround? It, it's a lot of things. I think it's really what we mentioned. It's the point play. It's getting inside the paint. Defense is slowly but surely getting better. Taking advantage of size that Syracuse has had. And they're, they're just simply taking care of business here. They're a good offensive team. They're 20th in the country in offensive efficiency. And just doing – they're playing to their strengths at this point. But this all sets up, as Kevin brings up, I see your comment there, Kevin. What record is needed for the tournament? This is going to be interesting because normally you'd say that 11 or 12 ACC wins is safe, but it depends on what those wins are. They're taking care of business now. They're not losing these games. They're inevitably going to lose one or two games here that you, you know will hurt them. That's just how the ACC goes. But with Duke coming up next week, and today was the biggest on-campus crowd in the country this year, just over 23,000 at the time. They're going to destroy that record next week. I don't know if it's going to be last year's record-setting Duke crowd, but it's, it's going to be over 33,000 at this point. So you got Duke coming up. You've got Louisville coming up in February. And you've got – what's the game I'm forgetting about there? you got Louisville. You've got Duke and Florida State. NC State is an important game. Four critical games in the month of February. Syracuse is creeping up on the bubble. They're taking care of business. But you mentioned what record? If you got 11 ACC wins, and it includes two of those wins that I just mentioned, I think you're good. I think you're safe. Because the committee's going to look for significant wins. Because signature wins. Syracuse doesn't have a signature win out of conference. Virginia might slide out of the quad one ranking. Virginia Tech was a quad one win, both on the road, which is big. So I think they need two more in that Duke, Florida State, Louisville range, and two out of those three are on the road. But Syracuse has, has been good on the road this year. So they're just taking care of business, doing what they got to do at this point. But those three games are critical. And I would put NC State in that category because they're kind of towing the line right now. Uh, a few more comments from you guys. Appreciate you checking in wherever you are today. Uh, Josh noting that Syracuse needs to win every single game. I mean, that'd be nice. It was interesting. We, we brought this topic up on the radio the other day. If Syracuse won out, 
just let's get wild here. Let's say they won out but lost to Louisville, Duke, and Florida State. Would they get in? I don't know. I, I mean, it depends where else they are on the bubble and who the teams around them are. Sometimes your fate is in other teams' hands. You always want to be someone who controls your own destiny, as Syracuse did last year. But that might be the case this year, particularly if they lose two out of those three or a bulk of those games in February that they need to take. But the trend right now, the uptick, doesn't look that way. They're, they're trending the right way. They're getting better in all the areas that they need to. They've played a lot of close games, winning a lot of them, winning a close game at home today, which hasn't been the case for the most part. So it, this has played out perfectly. I wrote a column about this last week, and Syracuse has done this. They have put time on their side. They have put time on their side for key positions to get better, for key players to get better, for the defense to slowly but surely improve. But I don't – so Syracuse goes to Clemson Tuesday night. It's not an easy game. Not an easy game. Clemson had a stretch this year where they beat North Carolina and Duke, and I know Carolina's not what they usually are, but Clemson had never won at North Carolina until this year. So that's not an easy road test for the Orange. The Duke game lurks after that, lurks after that but I don't think the next real test of this team's improvement comes until Duke. That's when we're really going to find out how much better this team is. And they match up well with Duke. We've seen it since Syracuse and Duke started playing in ACC play. That's never a team that Syracuse is afraid to play, is intimidated to play, and there's just something about when those two get together, it all evens out. Can't wait for that game. That's going to be exciting. Tuesday, though, uh, don't overlook that. Clemson's a good team. Blake, there is word on game day. College game day is not coming to Syracuse. They are going to, I believe, Auburn instead. I saw today Auburn, Kentucky, I think the game is they're going to. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong here in the comments. But uh, no game day for Syracuse and Duke next week. As Ben notes here on the Syracuse Orange basketball comment, winning out would give Syracuse 14 wins if they lose to Duke, FSU, and Louisville. You'd think that'd be enough, right? But I'm not assuming anything at this point. Uh, Brandon St. Cuse versus Ohio State and Dayton. I'm from Columbus. Would love to see our boys put it to the Buckeyes. There you go. Fantastic. Uh, ben wrote a story about this earlier. It is Auburn, Kentucky for college game day. So we won't see uh, Jay Billis and the boys here next week, but a uh, big game nonetheless. All right, we say we uh, cut it off for there uh, for today right there. Always appreciate you guys coming by wherever you're, you're checking in from. Reminder that we do put this on YouTube, and our podcast version of this goes up. So for YouTube, find us on Syracuse Orange Sports. I always pop the YouTube in my recap as well. For the uh, podcast, subscribe to Syracuse.com podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And not only will you get that, you'll get the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. Myself, Nate Mink, Stephen Bailey did a roundtable on all the crazy news coming out of Syracuse football this week. Recruiting days coming up. The coaching changes. Zach Arnett flying the coop. And uh, the schedule came out last week. My man Ben Burroughs, who hangs with us here in the chat, we uh, did his kind of inside-the-numbers perspective on Syracuse basketball. So a couple great podcasts to catch up on. But if you missed this chat, we put it in our Syracuse.com podcast feed. So subscribe there. We'll be back at it Tuesday night after Syracuse takes on Clemson. It's a Tuesday night matchup and that is a 7 p.m. tip time. So we'll be here about nine o'clock or so Tuesday night after the Orange and the Tigers wrap up. Thanks to Ben behind the scenes. Thanks to you guys for watching. Thanks to our friends at Krause Health. 
as always, for sponsoring this. Please read my recap. It'll be up tomorrow morning. But all the great coverage coming from the Dome, from Donna DeToda, Chris Carlson, Mike Waters, the great Dennis Nett, and all the SU basketball coverage you can handle coming your way. Thanks for joining us, as always. We'll talk to you again Tuesday night.